Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. But driving home uh, the theme being rooted in Christ, and I pray that uh, you, you really got a firm grip on what it means to be rooted and the importance of it. Let me encourage you, keep your roots healthy, all right? They're important, okay? Going forward this year, there'll be a lot of things out in this world trying to entice you to put your roots elsewhere, but, only, but understand, there is a particular um, a blessing, a blessing or blessings that only Christ can give you. And so be picky where you put your roots. Amen? Uh, let, them, let them rest in Christ. But today, uh, continuing with this thought, really, um, of being rooted, um, God's just give me peace about the ministry of Jesus. And uh, not necessarily what every, every small uh, detail of his ministry will we look at. Um, this is just going to be uh, um, God taking me to, to each part of his ministry that he wants me to deal with each week is sort of my approach. But um, for, for some time we'll be looking at this thought of follow Jesus. And uh, so, uh, and I'll give a little more introduction in just a minute to that. But let's read this morning's uh, text. Um, I'm actually just going to read, um, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's, let's read this. There's 17 verses. Just bear with me. But let's read these. All right. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, In those, in those days came John the Baptist, or he would, he would be called in that day, you know, John the Baptizer, okay, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, for this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a, uh, a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Um, then went out to Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. In other words, bring evidence that you've repented. Okay? And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones, of course, pointing, this is what was around him there. This, these stones, God's able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now, also, the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth, uh, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down or cut down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto. Well, because of repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He 
shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan uh, is in his hand, and he will uh, thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. Uh, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Father God, I approach your throne of grace at this moment. Father, I'm in desperate need of your help. I dare not say another word without submitting my every thought to you. Father, I, I pray with every fiber of my being for everyone that's here. Father, eternity is what's in view. Um, a life of obedience is what's in view. Father, my prayer is if there's someone here today that has, has no recollection or remembrance of their history containing a moment in their life where they have repented and confessed to believing, trusting faith in Christ because of His death, burial, and resurrection. I pray for them that even right now they would see themselves as lost and undone in darkness, dead in their sins, in chains and bondage, that they will just cry out to you from their heart, putting a believing faith only on Jesus, and you promise to break the chains, take them from darkness to light, and to call them sons and daughters. I pray for every believer that they would understand Christ is not just their Savior, but He is their Lord. And I pray for a faithful heart of obedience. Not just a heart, but a life. And so guide me in your word. Pray that we be obedient to you today. I pray all this in Christ's wonderful name. And all of God's people said, Amen. So the title this morning is God is well pleased. Wouldn't you love to hear that when you st stand before him? That you could say, God was well pleased. That's what I want to hear. As we begin to think about this theme and all that we've unpacked and all that we have threaded together about this thought of being rooted in Christ and built up in Christ, um, the purpose of this series is for us to take a, a, you know, actually plunge deeper into the life and ministry of Jesus. Okay? And um, you might ask, really, what is, well, just what is the great benefit of such a series, of such a, a venture in Scripture? Well, if you remember back in the book of Colossians that we understood that our new man is a man is a new man to be shaped by someone, and the only way that that new man can grow or be renewed is by communing with that with a someone, and that someone for both of those questions is Christ. 
And, and I think it will do us very well to let us not just hover around 30,000 feet, you know, and observing the life and ministry of Christ, but let's get down there in the sandals beside him and observe his life and look at his ministry. However God directs us to the ministry of Christ, that's what I want to do, whether it be going to a parable, to a miracle, or to a teaching, or, or, or a time of person, whatever it is through all this, this, this series, I want God's you know, leadership in all this. But I think this will help us. And um, we, we want, well, I'm not going to spend really time looking at his birth, not because it's of no value, uh, because I feel the emphasis from God of looking at his ministry. His ministry covered about three, three and a half years, we know, uh, of, of his life. And uh, so that's what we want to give attention to. And uh, what we find here today in the text of Matthew chapter 3, we hear the voice of John the Baptist. Or John the baptizer. And what you're finding here is that he is readying a people for what the Bible is calling the kingdom of God has come. And he's readying the people because the kingdom of God is come down in a person. And he's wanting his kingdom to be received by his people, which we knew were the Jews. That's who he came to. And, um, of course, we all, many of us know... The Jews did reject that kingdom, and he extended it to another. And folks, we are still praying that his kingdom come. Amen? And so um, today, that's even what we are praying for. But God is well pleased. That's what I want to look at today. Can you honestly say about your own life now that God could say that he's pleased with you? I will say, if you're not a, if you're not a believer in Christ, God is anything but pleased with you. If you're a child of God that is running and, and veering off from His will and His plan for your life, He is not very pleased with you. He's your, you're His child. He's your father, but He is a very disappointed father. And He desires the best for you, and the best for you is His perfect will for you. And so I just want to look at this, this, this grand uh, 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 announcement from God about Christ. He is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All right, so really three things for you today. Uh, first is this, I want us to look at John's unique person. Uh, he is a one-of-a-kind character uh, when, you, when, you, when we're reading about who he is and, and what he wore. Uh, um, you know, if you're looking for a new diet, uh, uh, maybe even a weight loss plan, if you're interested in those things, maybe this would work for you. I don't know. Uh, locusts and wild honey, that's what he ate. Uh, maybe that doesn't appeal to you, but that was John's life. That's what he, he eventually, I think, got to and his choices of how he would live his life. And, uh, but anyway, what you're finding here about John, he had coarse hair. Um, he didn't care about a lot of specialty shampoos or health grow products or anything like that. Uh, he, he was a very rugged guy, very rugged guy. And um, um, you'll find that uh, the... Um, what he wore, his, 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 uh, his attire, oftentimes were used for making tents. Now, I don't know if you've ever touched tent material, but it's probably not the most smoothest stuff. It's, it's not going to treat your skin probably very well. Uh, maybe you like, it's not going to be like that 5,000 count thread sheet you have on your bed. It's real comfortable and cozy. We're talking about some very rough stuff. Um, and so, um, but I really believe as you look at John's life, his unique person, 
This wasn't just John trying to create some trend. He wasn't looking to be the, 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 uh, you know, the, the person looked to for a new trend of, of, of clothing or the, way, the hairstyle to have or, new, you know, or, or the kind of food you should eat. John had a desire to be fully separated for God's purpose. I don't want you to miss that. And just this quick little description of John the Baptist. He was not, he, was, he did not care about falling into the, the, the coziness and the embellishments and the luxurious lifestyles of religious leaders. I think he was sickened by the religious leaders of the day. Uh, he had a lot of, of, of training. You know, he was, I believe John understood. The Bible says he came in the spirit of Elijah. John believed that, you know, he does, they, they don't need a, a, another, you know, Pharisee or Sadducee. Doesn't, they need a prophet. They need someone like in the spirit of Elijah. And so you find John's life is something you should pay attention to is um, John did not want anything about his attire, anything to deter his purpose for catching the mind and the hearts of those that needed to repent. And that was, that was, the, the, that was how he went into his ministry. Nothing about his life deterred uh, his voice for what God sent him to do. It wasn't, his it wasn't his attire and stuff that made people come to him. It was his message. And he wanted his message to stand out over himself, like above himself. He wanted his message to stand out. And that's what he did. John lived for the message. Let's let that settle in for just a minute. John lived for the message that God sent him to preach. And so what you find here about John that there was a ring, if you will, or this, 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 uh, this, this tone, or I don't know the word to, to, to use, but this genuineness about his voice. You ever talk to somebody that you just knew they were just blowing smoke? They, just, they were not genuine. You know, they looked the part. They dressed the part. But man, there, there was no genuine nature to the voice. Uh, John was not wearing the part. He wasn't dressing the part, but he was speaking the truth. He allowed the truth to stand on its own because that's what God sent him to do, was to preach this particular truth because the kingdom of God had been sent down. There was this genuineness. Now, I'll say this. You look at Matthew, um, or excuse me, you, you look here. If you study about John's life, he could have easily went on up into the priesthood because of where he came from. His father served in the temple. He could have chose that life, but he saw a lot, I believe, a, a lot, lack of, of genuineness and, and a lot of just religiosity and just pomp and circumstance and stuff like that, a lot of this luxurious life and just a lot of fake in some of those that were serving in those capacities. So he left it. He left it. And he just followed God in the message he wanted him to preach. Um, and and I, would, I would say this, uh, thinking about application and looking at John's life and all that we've just, uh, all that we've just said. Um, John wanted people to see the one who had come. He was not concerned about people seeing him. But he wanted them to see 
Him, if you get what I'm saying. He wanted them to see the one who had come, the one who was bringing the kingdom of God down. And that's why all that John did was simply this, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven, or the the kingdom uh, of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he was doing. All right, And folks, John is, is what we would call the Christian that was willing to crucify himself. John was the kind of individual, as, as you will see, uh, he was the one that would die to self daily. And folks, listen. When we talk about crucifying the flesh, when we talk about dying to oneself, we're talking about personal interests, we're talking about goals and ambitions and desires. Uh, John could have went a lot of different ways. He could have went into the luxurious way of life, but he crucified it all for the sake of people seeing Jesus through his life and through his ministry. John's unique person should scream to us that we should arrive as Christians, have the heart to arrive, and then therefore do arrive at that kind of crucified life. I'm not saying wear tent material and and, and start eating locusts and honey. But just ask yourself the question, is is there something about my life? Is there something about my lifestyle, the choices I'm making, the people I'm around? Are those things distractions from people seeing Jesus? Are they detracting from the message that even myself have been sent out to share? I encourage you to take time and think about that. I think about that in my own life. Is there something distracting from the message? Because God had, folks, listen to me. You're a Christian. God has sent you out. Go ye therefore. John had a therefore. He had his authorities from heaven, from God, to, do, to preach this message. And we, because of Christ and his death and burial and resurrection and the command he gave us, he said, go ye therefore, and I've given you power uh, to do that. We need to arrive. What did Christ say? He's going to say it eventually. We've read it. And you'll read it. And it's, I remember um, when Joseph and Mary were, had, had lost him. Can you imagine losing Christ as a him being a child. I've always thought about that, especially now being a parent. <laughs> Losing him, you know. Uh, but remember what he told his parents when they found him? That must be about my father's business. That's where you need to arrive today. Nothing short of that. John had arrived there. I must be about my father's business. Even Jesus will find. He said, I must be about my father's business. Can I ask you a question? Is that even a concern of yours today? If someone done a cross-section of your, of your unique person, would you find this common thread? I must be about my father's business. I think that's a sobering question we must all ask ourselves today. But John has set himself up, his, his life, his character, all of that, to carry the message. And so let's look at this message, because I will tell you, and really the, the wording of this second point, John's message was a radical one. It's a very radical message. This was not a message being preached by the scribes, the Pharisees, and Sadducees, but this was a message sent from heaven, uh, from John the Baptist. Keep in mind, understand, this was the breaking of the silence of 400 years of silence between the Intertestament period, between the Old Testament and New Testament. This was the message that broke the silence. What was the message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is so powerful about this message is this, simply the fact that 
there's power in the message. And it has been estimated or believed that at least about a million people went to hear this message. And, you know, thinking about that, um, repentance was the message in preparation for God's kingdom. And so I think, it, I think we need to ask the question, what is repentance, right? It's, it's a key it is, a, it is a key to being born again. It is a key to living like Jesus is repentance. What is repentance? I will tell you this. It's something God leads you to. So it's a necessary thing. It's, a very, it's something that you need. He, the goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. So it's not something to reject. It is something to receive. All right? And I'll just explain it like this. Repentance is a, is a completely turning to Jesus. And that would also mean a completely turning away from everything that you have been or believed in. If you've not trusted Christ, you need to turn away from all other ways and turn to Jesus. That's a repentance. It's a change of mind. Therefore, it should be a change of life. And so, but it begins, this repentance begins with conversion, right? And then it comes to the living as a believer. It is a complete 180 direction change of your perspective of who Jesus is. You will never believe on him as Savior if you don't see him as Savior. If you just think of him as a good moral teacher, that's all he'll ever be. But dear friend, that's not enough. He died to be more for for you than that. He died and rose again for him to be your Savior and be your Lord. Some Christians get the perspective right of Jesus that he's their Savior. But see, sometimes the perspective of Lord gets muddled as they go on through their life. Dear friend, Jesus is who he said he is. That has not changed. Repentance is a continuing theme of the believer, or it should be. And repentance, why repentance? It's because it is what God leads us to, and God's way has come down. John said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's what Isaiah said. That's what John was saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent ye. And so why, why repentance? It's because God's kingdom and God's way has arrived. You know what that means? That means your way must be put to death. There is no other way that God accepts. There is no other kingdom where God is pleased in. It's the kingdom that, was, that has come down uh, uh, with Christ. So there is no other way. There is the way that Jesus has brought to us. That's why John said, repent or turn to Christ. Dear Christian, quit living in your own kingdom. Get back into the kingdom of your Savior. Live there. Sleep there. Eat there. Serve there. That's why repentance is so important for the lost and the believer. And I begin to think about, I think about this crowd. I think about this million people. If that truly was how many, you know, was there. That, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing number. And I will tell you, for pastors, you can easily fall prey to a lot of commercials and different things out there. Uh, you may not be, you know, subject to hearing those things. As a pastor, I am. And I think about, well, how did John get a million people? How did he do it? Well, I will tell you this, it wasn't because of his trendy clothing. Some of you believe that if I just changed my clothing, which was dealing with 
pragmatism, right? If we just swap the pews for chairs and swap the attire, that's going to get more people. John did not sacrifice his attire to get more people. Not saying it has to be a suit and tie. It don't have to be a suit and tie. Be a jacket and a shirt. I don't have to wear this jacket. But what I'm saying is simply this. He did not invest his ministry in pragmatism. He did not invest his ministry in changing who he was here. You won't find John looking upon the internet and following the best, the five best growth tactics either. Now, there's people that can give you advice. I understand that. But it wasn't a tactic that he followed for men. It wasn't because he focused on making the lost feel more comfortable with his message. His message was radical. It was very scandalous. Because it says you're lost, you're incomplete, you're going somewhere you probably don't want to go, and you got to only turn to Christ and nothing else. you got to die to yourself and trust Jesus. That's radical. But he wasn't ashamed of that message. He didn't change his message to make the outside feel more comfortable. It was the message God sent him to preach. That's why a million people came. He let the word of God do the work of God. And I'll just tell you, and pastors can oftentimes fall prey, allowing the attendance be on their shoulders. It's an easy place to get caught up in. But John says, I don't care about the numbers. I care about the message. Let God weave out everything else. You know, they're culpable. I'm, I'm responsible. I just care about the message. I will die knowing I did my part, regardless if there was one or a million that come. Sometimes people say, well, I'll go to church as long as there are a thousand or more if there's just a lot of people. Folks, I want to be in a place where the message is right. That's all I care about. That should be all that you care about. Follow Jesus. This whole thought of follow Jesus, John's life really is, 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 is amplifying that truth. That's, that's what matters. But then he's got a group of people here. The, 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 you look at verse 7. You know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they, they come to his baptism. And notice what he calls them, which Jesus calls them that later on too. Oh, you bunch of snakes. Mm. Again, he wasn't concerned about making them feel comfortable. Right? I don't think being called a snake would make you feel very comfortable, would it? But John understood his message. And I will say this, there's always going to be sightseers. That's what they were. Well, we're hearing, man, and we're just, we're not getting the attention we used to got. Why are all the people going? They were going to something that actually had substance in return, which is the message of repentance. And uh, they were sightseers. You know, you think about the Old Testament prophets warned them all many times about the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. But the scribes and Pharisees, I think they just sort of, they just sort of shoved that off as this, this wrath that would just be to the Gentiles. We're religious. You know, uh, you know look, look, look at our robes and, you know, our, our, our girdle, all, the, all that we wear and what we do. You know, the wrath wouldn't come upon us. We're children of Abraham. We have a pedigree. Well, John nipped that in the bud, too. He said, you're sightseers. Um, he's like, you know, before you even say it, you're probably already thinking it. That's what John's saying. You look at verse, uh, verse, verse 9. And think not to, your, to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our fathers. God can take any, any dirt clod or rock and let them be sons and daughters of Abraham. It's not a lineage. It's not a genealogy. It's nothing on this earth that makes you ready for God's kingdom other than repentance toward God and belief on Jesus Christ. 
And, and, and so he says, bring forth therefore fruit, fruits meet for repentance. What John Sibley's saying is this, if you want to follow in this baptism that I've been sent to, to provide, I need to see repentance from your fake religion. You're resting in Abraham, your, your mind, your thought of being right with God's resting in a, in, a, in, a, in a pedigree, in your position in the temple. I need to see repentance. A kingdom has come. The king has come. And your life and what you're trusting doesn't line up with his kingdom. Many today, many today will think that their religion and what they trust lines up with the kingdom of God. And it's going to be a sad day when they realize it's not when this life's over. Can I tell you something? God's given you grace right here and right now to understand what God's kingdom is not and what it is. Maybe this is the 10th opportunity, the 20th opportunity. Maybe it's the first time you've heard this message. Can I tell you something? God does not owe you another time. God says, repent. This, this baptism that John has given it does not say these individuals, but it's preparing the kingdom. He's like, I need you to repent, and then I will baptize you because of that repentance. It was an identifying mark for the church which Christ would establish. It was readying them. That's what this was about. And I will tell you something. This was huge. Because they could have repented and not followed in the baptism. To follow in the baptism for a Jew was a huge thing. Because he was saying, I put aside Judaism. That was huge. But that was saying, I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I went, I, I, I've, I've repented and trusted him. I'm in his kingdom and none other. Let me just say this. Look what he told the Pharisees and Sadducees. Don't miss this. He gives a couple of examples. He talks about an axe in a tree and then a, flesh, a, 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 a threshing floor um, but look, as he says here, I know what you've been trusting, right? I, I know what your life has been. But let me tell you something, Pharisee and Sadducee, the axe is laying at, at, at the base of your tree. And it's a sharp axe. The axe is laid at the base of your tree or you, okay? And what do you use an axe to do? Why would you sharpen an axe? What's it used for? It's cut down something, Right? It's the final blow to what's standing upright. It's over for what that blade is laid to. And John is simply saying this, the one who has come, the axe is laid at the base of the tree. And there will be a time where that axe will be in full swing. And that tree will come down. And then there is no more opportunity to repent. And that tree will be cast into unquenchable fire. And folks, we must take a great warning uh, from this, is that, dear friends, the axe has all been laid at the base of our tree, so to speak. Will we, when that axe axe finally swings, will we be in God's kingdom or not? That all hinges upon whether you repent and believe on Christ. The axe will swing, and it's God's axe, and he, He will cut down the tree it says here, therefore, a tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down. So the one that is hewn down, as you'll find, is the one that is, has no fruit of life. It's no good. The trees that stand are the ones that, are, that have the true fruit of the kingdom. But here, he knows the, he knows the trees that are imitation trees. 
You go on and look a little bit further. He says, you know, he also has the fan in his hand. If you, if you look back in, or look at verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Right? And gather his wheat into the, uh, into the garner, but will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so that word fan could also be seen as shovel. He's on the threshing floor. And he's going to get rid of the chaff. He's going to clear it out. And let me tell you something. God knows the difference between genuine and imitation. He's never fooled. You know, I look back at my life and my journey to salvation personally. And I made a false profession as, as a young man. And um, I was an imitator. God did not deserve, I did not deserve God's extended grace any further. But God was long-suffering and kept dealing with me until I become a tree that bore righteous fruit because my roots were finally in Christ by faith. Trusted Him as Savior. I did not have to fear the axe anymore. But I'm just saying, you may be imitating today. You know, right now as I'm speaking, God is being merciful and long-suffering to you right now. But He doesn't have to for another second. God does not want for, for your tree to be on the receiving end of His axe. But John says God will bring the axe to the one that bears no fruit, fruit of repentance, fruit of life. And that's what he was telling them. The imitation game will one day be over when God starts swinging and God starts shoveling. The imitation game will be over. But I'm so thankful there is really, there is true life in Christ. This is not a charade, folks. Christianity is not, a, is, 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 is not a charade. It is rooted in Christ. Now I pray today that you're born again. John says you need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But lastly, let me give you this. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. So Jesus is revealed. This is a remarkable place in Scripture. I, I, I get excited about that, uh, about this part. Uh, we find here that Jesus uh, gives a, very, a request that I think turns John upside down. Now, John had understanding of the message that he was to preach, but he had also a message in part. He didn't have all the message of all that, cry, you, know, you know, what all was going to happen right here. And, and, and Jesus just caught John by surprise. And I can just imagine John's expression. But Jesus shows up. Can you imagine John's preaching repentance? He's baptizing these that have, have confessed repentance. There's, there's fruit of true repentance in their life. He's baptized. And then here, uh, Christ has sort of crested uh, the hill and walking down the dirt trail. And then he turns and he sees the Lamb of God that he has been preaching about. That he's been pointing these people to. Can you imagine the expression on his face? Can you imagine the race of his heart when he saw him? Just, just thinking about that moment. But Jesus comes and notice this request. He said, John, I need you to baptize me. That's all he said at, 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 at the beginning, right? I have need to be baptized of thee. Or that's what John was replying. But in verse 13, he, he came to be baptized of John. So he would have said, John, I need you to baptize me. 
You remember what John just said about Jesus? I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. Right? I'm not worthy to even handle the sandals that's on his feet. I'm not. And now he's come to say, baptize me. Now think about this. This was an unexpected request and it did not make sense. It did not make sense. Has God ever led you to something that just did not make sense in your logic? This did not make a bit of sense to John. As you see, he says that in verse 14. John forbade him. He said, no, 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 Jesus. We, we can't. This just doesn't make sense. Saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? I need you. You're the son of God. You're the, you're the kingdom come. Right? And he forbade him, and then Jesus gives him an explanation. Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill, the, to fulfill all righteousness. And what did John do after that? Look back at your Bibles. What did he do? He did what his master asked him to do. I will say this, dear Christian. Um, God may approach you about following a certain path or making a decision or a commitment, whatever it may be. There's always next steps for you to be taking. And it may not fit well in your logical uh, box. It may go against your emotions. It may go against your sentimental things that you have. It may go against just a, a lot of things you've, you know, you've, with your, 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 the human part of you. And, and, and God expects that. God expects that. And John said, I just, I just don't think we should do this. And then Jesus gave an explanation. He said, I'm just, I need you to suffer this. I need you to just allow this to happen because notice this. And I, I, this is an amazing, amazing thing. He says, suffer to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Um, he says, fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. When I read that, there's other places in Scripture where it says that we are co-laborers with Christ. Christ gets all the credit for all the work. He gets all the glory. But he, he gives us this great privilege and honor to be able to also take up the trial and, 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 and work in his kingdom. Right, to be able to handle the trial for the kingdom of God. He's saying, we need to do this, John. You need to be a part of this because we need to fulfill some things. To fulfill all righteousness. This, this is necessary. And that's all Jesus said, that it's necessary, that it's needed. But you know what a, a tragedy would be? That if John said, you know, Jesus, that still just isn't enough. That still just isn't enough that it's just necessary. Jesus, I need to know, I need to know the whys. I need, to, I need to know the plan. I need to know it all. I need to know all the details. And Jesus did not give him all the details. He said, John, it just needs to be. And John said, okay. That should be us. That's what I'm getting at. That should be us. We should not be putting, you know, contingencies. Now, if God will tell me really what my budget should look like, then I'll step out by faith and, 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 and allow this, this plan of God to affect my finances. You know, if I really know, really, you know, if you'll give me these other details, then I'll say, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, John, it's just necessary. It's necessary. And John said, okay. I'm about the necessary. I'm about following you. I want to do that. It just didn't make sense in the beginning. And, it was, and he, he, was, he was okay with it. 
And I just, I just want you to know um, that, that we all should be picking up the trowel and being a part of kingdom work. We're all called to be a part of being co-laborers with Jesus Christ. You, dear Christian, need to be active in the work. And I will tell you this, you say, Brother Josh, is there really places for me to serve within the church? Oh, yes. I just meet with me after service. There's plenty of places to serve. Amen? And we want you to serve. God wants you to serve. Wants you to, 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 to be there and be active in the work. And John was willing to obey and he did it quickly. John wasn't like a Johnny come lately. John was like a Johnny on the spot. Okay, that's, that's what John was. And, in all, and listen, a big thing about why John said yes is because he never had in question who Jesus was. Remember, Christian, he's your Lord. And what is one, what is one two-letter, what is a two-letter word you never tell your Lord? No. But how many of us do? John said, I don't understand, and I don't think we should, and Jesus said, it's necessary, and he says, okay. Okay, that's all I need. I need to know it's necessary. And John followed through. A lot of the confusion about what your life should look like and the plan you should follow and whether you should serve or whether you should be at worship or whether you should give your tithes and offerings or whether you should you know, raise your family this way all hinges upon your perspective of Christ and who He is to you. And when you get that straight, your life becomes straighter. Amen? And John says, we need to make his path straight. And he was doing that. So John didn't say, I don't know who this Jesus is. John did not follow Peter in that one time in Peter's life. I don't know him. John did not do that. He says, I know him and I follow him and I will be about my father's business. I'm going to baptize my Savior. It was obedience. Now listen, you find here, read a little bit further, notice what happens. Jesus went down to the water. You find this picture of immersion here. He went down to the water. He came up out of the water. And you find what God said here. When, when, when they come up out of the water, the heavens opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Notice this. Here's the, here's the crowning moment. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know what this tells me, church? This tells me there is only one person there's only one person that God is saying he is pleasing, him being pleased, rests in. The, Father is ple the, the pleasing of the Father rests in one person. That's why you need to be rooted in to that one person. Because that's, that's how the Father is pleased, is through Christ. You think about his baptism. And, and, and there do we understand all of the... This, this is a baptism unto repentance. Jesus did not have to repent. Why did he have to be baptized? Now, I think there is, there is some understanding of, of, of why. I think it's a, a, you know, a picturing what he had to come to do for all mankind. He was, he was laid in the water and coming back up, which was picturing the cross, the death, the resurrection of what he would have to do, which was sort of a, a pre-message of what he was going to have to do. I think he become the great, He was the great cornerstone laid for the church. I think it's Jesus' true identity was declared by the Trinity here. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And let's just say this in closing. Even if we did not understand even these implications, and when we understand every implication about his baptism, probably not. I think there are some, as I mentioned. But even at its least, 
even at its least, what Jesus' baptism was all about was Jesus being obedient to his Father. At its least, he was being obedient. And that's what he came to do, was to be obedient to his Father. You know one thing that I noticed, what Jesus did not do? Jesus did not allow John the Baptist to deter him from completing his mission. And I look at Christ's example there. I think we as Christians should not let anyone or anything stand in our way of following our Savior. It's our Father's business. That is our mission. That is our task. So you should let nothing stand in your way. I want to present you for some questions in closing. How do I respond to this message? Um, and I have these on the screen. I just, I just want to present them to you. Some that I just sort of jotted down as I was wrapping up, writing some notes about the sermon. The main question is this, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? Do you need to place your faith in Jesus as Savior? Do you need to follow in scriptural baptism? Are you actively involved in serving through your church? Do you need to repent from not being 100% faithful to worship? Or We go a lot of many other questions, just some that I just, God gave me liberty to jot down. Folks, listen, this we find here through John and Jesus that we should follow it. Nothing hinder us from following God. Nothing. We do not allow the culture or religion or anything change your trajectory. It's God's plan. It's God's kingdom. It's what pleases God that should motivate you. So as we stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Ever so quietly, please. Appreciate your attention.